Happy Sunday, church family, and I want to welcome you to our weekly podcast. I'm so excited that you're listening in this weekend uh, because we're starting a new series. You know, here at OCC, our mission is to make more and better disciples. In fact, our mission is the Great Commission. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, uh, Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What an amazing promise. What an amazing mission that God has given us. We believe that we can accomplish this mission by inviting people to come and hear the good news of Jesus. This is the greatest news on earth. Uh, By providing opportunities for people to grow in their faith within the context of biblical community and by serving God and others with the gifts that God has given us. You're going to see and hear these three words, uh, come, grow, serve, a lot more in the coming months as we implement them uh, into every single ministry here at OCC. Well, again, today we're beginning a new message series. I'm calling this series, Who's My Neighbor? The focus of this series is taken directly from part of our church's vision and mission. Over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about serving others, and more specifically, what it looks like to serve others with compassion. On Sunday mornings, we'll go to God's Word and learn from Jesus to live like Jesus, And then during the week, uh, you'll be encouraged and challenged to be a part of your growth group. And in that growth group, you'll learn how to connect with your neighbors, get to know your neighbors, uh, and serve your neighbors. Uh, Think about Sunday morning as the teaching time, uh, a time for encouragement. And then your growth group as the opportunity to discuss and live out some of the important truths that we're going to be talking about. So I'd like to begin this series uh, by asking a few important questions. Number one, what comes to mind when I say the word compassion? What comes to mind when I say the word compassion? I believe compassion is a key part of our walk with Christ. And the definition of compassion in our English dictionary is a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for another who is stricken with misfortune, accompanied by the strong desire to alleviate the suffering. This is kind of a long definition, and while it's a decent one, I think there's a better way to define compassion, especially as we see compassion demonstrated throughout God's Word. I believe compassion is giving up my wants to meet another person's need. It's giving up my wants to meet another person's need. It's been said that God's Word, the Bible, is a book about compassion, Uh, The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is a gospel of compassion. Think about this. God loves us. He sent his one and only son to die for us. He forgives us and adopts us into his family, not because we deserve it or because we're good people, but because he is good and because he is compassionate. There's a wonderful truth found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 that says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ died for us while we were still sinners. It was while we were at our absolute worst. In Christ, we have a perfect example of what compassion looks like. 
In his book, The Hole in Our Gospel, author and former director of World Vision International, a guy by the name of Richard Stearns, he says that we have a hole in our gospel, and that hole is compassion. He says compassion is largely missing. Stearns tells the story about his friend, a guy by the name of Jim Wallace, um, who did an experiment while attending seminary. Uh, Jim and a few of his friends, they went through the entire Bible uh, verse by verse. They underlined every single passage and verse that dealt with things like poverty, wealth, uh, justice, and oppression. Really everything that dealt with compassion and serving others. And then one of the guys who was part of the group took a pair of scissors and cut every one of those verses out of the Bible. Um, There were so many verses cut out that when they were done, the Bible was in shambles. It really wouldn't even stay together. You know, what a visual reminder for us today that when we live our lives um, without biblical compassion, um, our gospel is full of holes. It's an incomplete gospel. There are around 2,000 verses in God's word that deal with compassion in some way. And while I don't have time to read all 2,000 this morning, and that would take a really long time, I thought I'd share just a few of my favorite verses with you that deal with compassion. Now, the first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And what an awesome couple of verses. Another one is Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Now, this is talking about Jesus. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28, I think an appropriate verse for this entire series. It says, If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, Come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. And then the last verse I'll share with you is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and humble. These are some great verses about biblical compassion, about serving others with compassion. So the second question I want to ask you is that after reading and hearing verses like these, what comes to mind now when I say the word compassion? What comes to mind when I say the word compassion? You know, regardless of where we might find ourselves in God's word, it it really doesn't take long to realize that compassion has been compromised in the church. I'll say that again. Compassion has been compromised in the church. Last week, I had a friend ask me how I was going to fill six weeks of messages about serving others with compassion. And friends, I think you'll see throughout this series that six weeks might not be long enough. Regardless of the time frame, whether it's one week, two weeks, or, or six weeks, it's always good for us 
uh, to take time to recommission the church to live with passion for Jesus and to serve others with compassion. Question number three this morning is, uh, why is compassion so important? This is an important question. Why is compassion so important? I would argue that compassion is actually part of God's plan to change the world. And that plan includes you. If you want to be a difference maker for Jesus, a difference maker in your home, at your place of work, in your community, and in your church, you have to learn to serve others with compassion, just like Jesus served others with compassion. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is a very familiar verse that reminds us about how God has prepared each one of us for good works, uh, good works that he planned long in advance. This verse says, we are God's handiwork, or we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then if you jump to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 58, we read about how we should go about doing this work. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. As Christians, we're called to stand firm in Christ, allowing nothing to move us and to give our whole selves to the work that God has given us. This means that we abound in good works. We excel in good works, and we're passionate about doing good works for God. And the good works that God has prepared for us to do should always be motivated by compassion. It should always include compassion. So our main text for today is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Um, If you have a Bible with you or your your phone or your tablet, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we'll begin in verse 31. I'm going to read it uh, in context. I'm going to read it in its entirety. And as I do, I want to encourage you uh, to listen uh, for how Jesus describes the work of compassion. So beginning in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. 
I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. This is a weighty, challenging, and convicting passage of Scripture. As we continue, I want to point out a few things that that I noticed just right off the bat, some things that are important for us to talk about. First, um, this is not promoting a do-good gospel. A do-good gospel means that our works can somehow earn us a right standing before God and is what gets us into heaven. A do-good gospel is a false gospel. That's not what this passage is promoting. Second, we know that God's word is consistent in teaching that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, not by works. Uh, The good works that we do and how we serve Jesus by serving others is always an overflow of a life that's been changed and is being changed by the true gospel of Jesus. Doing good works for God is the natural response of a person who's part of the family of God. We serve with compassion because we've experienced God's grace and we're called to extend God's glory. When we read a passage like this, I think it's easy uh, for all of us to feel like, you know, it's, it's impossible to make any kind of real difference for Jesus. I mean, after all, I'm just one person. I'm just one man living on a planet with over 7 billion people. If you're anything like me, you often believe the lie that you can't make a real difference. So what we end up doing is we do nothing at all. We end up living with a hole in our life and a hole in our gospel. I don't know about you, but I want to allow God to change that in my life. And I want to see God change that in the life of our church. I want to see serving with compassion as part of our DNA here at OCC. We have to be about serving with compassion. Pastor and author David Platt shared a heartbreaking statistic that 26,000 children today will breathe their last breath due to starvation or a preventable disease. 26,000 children. I can only imagine that this number has gone way up because of the lack of imports and exports because of COVID-19. And, you know, that number might not hit home because it seems so far away. It's often not tangible. So if it's not tangible, we think that it just must not be real. But let me share some other numbers with you this morning. And these are extremely important you know, in the La Crosse School District, just here in, in La Crosse County, and in the La Crosse School District, there are 6,637 students. In the Onalaska School District, so right here in our backyard, there are 3,133 students. Um, Holman has 3,994 students. That's where I live. And then West Salem has 1,797 So uh, the total number of students just here in our own backyard is 15,561. And I share these numbers with you to show you that if these statistics are accurate, that means that all four of our main school systems would be wiped out by starvation in just one day. 26,000 children today will breathe their last breath. 
And this is just one statistic. Another statistic here in our own area is that about 80% of the people who live here are unchurched. You know, there are so many different truths and statistics like this um, that show us the need that the people in this community have for Christ. Over the next several weeks, uh, your growth group will be providing practical ways for you to take just one step towards serving others with compassion. And we believe that starts right here in our own backyard. It starts with our neighbors here in our community. You know, if you wonder what kind of difference you can make as one person or as one family or even as one church, I want to remind you that God's word is filled with individuals who were difference makers, not because of anything they did, but because they were obedient to the opportunities that God placed in front of them. You go to the Old Testament. You have people like Noah. Noah lived in the middle of a barren land. He most likely had never seen a flood before, but he was obedient to God's instructions, and he built the ark. You have David, who was a shepherd boy, yet he was willing to take on a giant, something nobody else was willing to do. You have Moses, who was obedient to God's call, and he led God's people out of Egypt. You have Rahab, who was obedient to God's call and hid three Israelite spies. And then you have Caleb. I think this is my favorite illustration for today. Even at the ripe age of 85, Caleb refused to be done serving the Lord. Listen to what the book of Joshua, chapter 14, verse 11 says about Caleb. It says, and here I am today, 85 years old. I'm as strong as I was the day Moses sent me out. I'm as strong as ever in battle, whether coming or going. Sometimes the older generation believes the lie that their time for serving God is over when they retire. You know, of the three other churches that I've been blessed to have been a part of, I can tell you with absolute certainty that faithful Christians often accomplish more for the Lord in the last 20 years of their life than they do in the first 50 or 60. I've seen this with my own eyes, and I want to remind you today that regardless of your age, God is not done with you. He's not. And in fact, on the count of three, I want us to repeat that together this morning. I want us to say that God's not done with me. One, two, three. God's not done with me. And that is such an important truth to believe today. We also have many examples throughout God's word of young people who are used by God to do extraordinary things. Again, simply because they were obedient to what God had put in front of them. You have Mary, who was the mother of Jesus, our our Savior, Shepherd, and King. You have Timothy, a young pastor who helped lead a church that had a lot of issues, yet he was obedient, and he didn't allow others to look down on him because he was young. He was faithful, and he followed the Lord. Then you have the entire group of, of early disciples. I think a lot of people think that they must have been older. You know, for some reason, we have that in our minds but it's very likely that they would have been in their late teens or early 20s. And then after the death and resurrection of Jesus, they were obedient in sharing the gospel with all people, making disciples of all people, even to the point of death. Friends, regardless of your age, God wants to use your life to point others to Jesus. We have an awesome group of older members in our church family who are over the age of 60. And for those of you who fall into this category, I want to encourage you today to be Caleb's, always ready to serve with compassion. 
For our younger group, don't, don't allow others to look down on you because you're young. Be a group of Timothys. Be faithful and obedient to what God has put in front of you, always ready to serve others with compassion. That's so important. Question number four today. Why do we serve others with compassion? This is, this is the why question. For this question, I want to give you three important truths as I wrap up the message today. Truth number one, we serve with compassion to follow Jesus. We serve with compassion to follow Jesus. God's saving grace makes us people of compassion. That's what it does in our lives. And as we learn from Jesus to live like Jesus, we should look for opportunities to serve with compassion just like Jesus. In the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, this is a wonderful verse. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I came across a great commentary and explanation of this verse. And that is, do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Instead, take God seriously. So we serve with compassion to follow Jesus. Jesus served with compassion. We learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. The second thing is that we serve with compassion to meet needs. We serve with compassion to meet needs. You know, compassion is giving up my wants to meet another person's need. Every single person on planet Earth is made in the image of God. In fact, our our Constitution here in the United States, a document that was put together by a group of God-fearing men, reminds us that all human beings have the right to life, to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this is because all people are valued by God and created in His image and likeness. Everyone has needs. And we are to serve others with compassion to meet those needs. And in doing so, we're serving the Lord. So we serve with compassion to meet needs. And finally, we serve with compassion to correct misperceptions. We serve with compassion to correct misperceptions. Far too many people today have a perception of Christians that um, we're doing more harm than good. I would argue that this is largely due to the fact that we've been living life with a hole in our gospel. When we serve others with compassion, it provides an opportunity for relationship. It helps correct misperceptions, and it allows the people we serve to gain an accurate picture of the character of God. As we serve with compassion, it opens up the door for the gospel to be shared and received. We serve with compassion to correct misperceptions. God's word is filled with verses on compassion, upwards of 2,000. So over the next several weeks, we're going to take a closer look at some of these verses and stories, uh, learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. We want to look at the life and ministry of Jesus and, and go and do likewise, as Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 10. The church is called to live with passion for Jesus and to serve others with compassion. My charge for us today is this. Let's be known as a church that serves with compassion. 